You're listening to Boston Strongcast, a place where we talk all things powerlifting, strength, and the occasional scientific nerd session. I'm your host, Kevin Can, the owner of Precision Powerlifting Systems, strength coach and competitive powerlifter in the USAPL. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get stronger together. Hey guys, this is Kevin Can with Boston Strongcast. I'm joined for the second time today uh, with Anthony Oliveira. Hopefully, uh, this time I get to the questions I had the last time. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm down. I'm down for all of it. <laughs> we actually got a uh, we got some pretty good feedback on the last podcast, and I was anticipating a little bit of a uh, negative blowback, but I didn't get any. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I was kind of hoping for it. Dare I say? <laughs> <laughs> like just a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, yeah, all of my, uh, all of my shit that I got from it was, was good. Like people reaching out, um, that I didn't know. I know that like both of my Instagrams, like I gained some followers and I think that like, um, there's probably like some crossover, right? You know, like there's people who came over to your side of things and looked like peeked through the window at what you guys are doing, you know, and then yeah. the same thing. There's some people that came the other way, which was, which is cool, man, because also I think I had a, 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 a misconception of like what, what you might be about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I started paying, paying attention a little bit more to the posts that you make and all that and uh you guys where where it's 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 not like the west side like conjugate template you definitely can tell that there it's heavily influenced by you know either like bulgarian style stuff or you know what i'm saying like i can look at your training and that you do with your people and stuff that you do and i'm like okay like i can see how that um correlates to to what we're doing it's just like a different thought process a different approach but there's lots of the same like sort of core values to that yeah I, it, it has to be right because we all like powerlifting started in the same spot right so right <laughs> and it's basically like a a big competition between the bulgarians and the russians right yeah, so like yeah. I had a Russian coach for three years and we did that stuff. And like, I think you run into these like situations where I think culture matters. Right. And you can probably attest to this by the atmosphere that happens at West side. Yeah. But I'm giving a bunch of, you know, how old are most lifters when I start mid twenties, early twenties, I'm giving yeah. them a bunch of just like sub max weights. And all of a sudden you put 90% on the bar and they're shitting themselves trying to get underneath <laughs> underneath the weight and they're just like fucking terrified yeah so you know i was like all right well i see the benefits and what they're trying to do here but so that's when i started to really like lean more towards having some more of that like bulgarian influence in our training and we don't like we don't split up the week the same way so we do way more max effort stuff but we're not going to like an rpe 10 so it's kind yeah. of set up in a way where it's there may be five or 10 more pounds there, but we'll shut it down there. Maybe do some back off stuff. Uh, it might be like a variation to work on technique. And then we kind of move on from there, but we'll do like max effort squats and bench on the same day. Uh, we might come in and pull heavy the next day that we come in and then it'll start to taper down. But even our, so like your dynamic effort work, will have lighter bar weight. We just use way more straight weight yeah. for that stuff and just do sets and reps. And I, I like the time constraints because one at a meet, you're told when to go. So that kind of like works that same aspect of it. Yeah. And at the same time, you're just getting a lot of good reps with 
moderate weights, moving them quick. Like I, I see a lot of benefits to it. And um, there's a reason why Westside's been around for 40 fucking years. And like, I'm, I'm going on a rant right now, but do it, do hey, it, run with it. You. Here's your warning. So <laughs> I, uh, I was sitting around and I was like, where did this DUP stuff just come from? Right? Like this daily undulated periodization being king of fucking powerlifting. Where did this come from? So like I started digging through, I got into this fucking rabbit hole, <laughs> but I found Mike Zordos's um, dissertation from Florida state university started in 2012. Uh, that's when it was published. Okay. So that correlates with the rise of raw lifting. You get people in their 20s who are too smart for their own good at, at certain points of time. It also coincides with the same time that Chad had a falling out with Dave Tate and started batching Westside on the juggernaut stuff on the internet. Oh, dude. So like, I, yeah. God you literally it, just dude. had this like perfect storm of bullshit that started in like 2012 and like I'm not going to say the name of like the, you know, these other, these coaches and stuff, but like all of a sudden these bigger lifters started just running DUP talking about DUP. And like, I literally feel like they set the sport back 40 fucking years. DUP is no fucking different than the same periodization model that everybody else tweaked. You know, the Ed Cohen's, the Vincinello's, the Larry Pacifico's, the Louis Simmons, everybody tweaked what was given to them. And when you're doing hypertrophy on one day, strength on another power on another, doesn't that sound like fucking conjugate anyways? They just push the strength <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. They just, like they're training the same aspects, but yet you'll shit on it. And it's just like, you can polish a turd all you want. It's still the same fucking turd that was presented back in the 70s. We should have progressed beyond this point. And like those older lifters and those older coaches have laid that fucking groundwork of here's where it works. Here's where it needs to be tweaked. Now it's on you guys to take what we've done and make small adjustments to keep progress moving forward. But they're like, fuck that. This is garbage. We're going to just start back over with this guy's dissertation. Yeah. Well, you say the funny part about that, dude, and I don't know, I might be an asshole for this, but you're like, oh, the, you know, DUP has become like the king of powerlifting. Well, I <laughs> would love to know who runs that that has a world record that has stuck for more than a year and has been top 10 for longer than five years. I don't, I don't think there is a fucking person. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's, it's king of powerlifting by volume of people who do it, but I don't think it's king of powerlifting by quality. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I was actually listening to uh... <laughs> So one of my buddies was like, you got to listen to this winning in Panora podcast. So like when I get my gear. I was talking to, um, I was talking to him and I was like, I think I'm going to run like a three week wave raw with some accommodating resistance, three weeks, maybe just suit bottoms and wraps. And then maybe two weeks, like full gear mm -hmm. and then kind of taper down type of thing. He's like, Oh, like Matt Wenning does a similar thing. So you should listen to this podcast. So yeah this podcast has like six seconds of, of training talking about it's just like them telling stories. And at one point Matt went and goes, I've been maxing out for 25 years. Right. And, and that's when, like right there, when I heard that, I was like, how long has somebody really been doing these like high frequency, high volume programs? Dude, you can't, you, you just, you, you fucking can't because it's like most powerlifting injuries and like retirements, if you want to call them and all that shit come from, repetitive use like repetitive movement you know what i mean issues like it, it, it all comes from like poor movement patterns or the repeating the shit out of yourself the same way over and over again it's like 
those it seems like the volume and and all that 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 everyone talks about like more barbell volume more barbell volume all this stuff it seems like that is also the demise of those people yeah exactly you know what i'm saying like it's like what they preach for like like what they love about their program is also like the part that that doesn't necessarily seem like the part that's the best part about it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I had a, I had a quote on a podcast that someone memed that was like, everyone's, you know, like if you're scared of, of, of me forgetting how to use a straight bar, I'm scared for you that you're going to forget how to strain and do a max effort lift. That's, we were literally having this conversation in the gym <laughs> yesterday. Oh, cause it it's was like, like, give me a break, dude. Like, I think that, I think that being able to strain now I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I think being able to strain and complete a max effort lift with a hundred percent plus on your back or in your hands is more important than uh, knowing the the angular uh, you know pressurization of my abdominal like it's like okay you don't need to practice your sport that much but you definitely need to know how to strain through a fucking hard lift and no one can debate that that like we definitely know that we can argue specificity all day but we right. can all agree that you need to know how to finish a hard lift you know that's that's where I think the argument changed right was what we considered specificity. So yeah. you're talking about specificity being a strain for a single, like a max effort attempt, right? What our fucking sport is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and all of a sudden it turned to the actual movement became the specificity. So yeah. somehow a set of seven at an RPE seven is more specific to the sport because you're practicing the movement, right? And I think, so in the conversation that we were having yesterday, I was like, I don't understand the like, why people have such blowback about, so if I was like, if somebody came to me and they're like, I wanna be better at basketball. Well, you, you're not gonna play fucking ping pong. Like you gotta start playing the actual sport. Right. And like the sport of powerlifting is heavy singles. Shouldn't you yeah. practice that at some point? And like, I think what had happened was is, there's a reason why if you're in America and you're in powerlifting, you're getting into it either later in life or because you suck at other sports. So when I see somebody who's 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, I don't care how many of them listen to this. You're lifting weights because you suck at other sports or yeah. Or you can't like, or you don't fit into like team mentality type shit. Like, yeah, like if you don't, yeah, you're like an outlier maybe, or like, uh, yeah, there's never like, there's rare, I'd say rarely, uh, like someone who was like, you know, 10 years old and you're like, who's your hero? And they're like, Ed Cohn, Dave Hoff. <laughs> like, like, no, you know what I mean? Like not, not in our, you know what I mean? Like not in our yeah. country, but, uh, yeah, I think that there's like, it's really easy. Lou, that's something Lou has talked about before with like Olympic lifting. And, and I feel, I feel like there's so much crossover now. There used to not be as much like as a whole, but I feel like there's so much crossover now from like Olympic lifting and powerlifting, um, like more in like the IPF side of things, um, that the, the two things have like blended in, And the issue is it's really easy to look good and practice technique with 65% of your max. And it's the same way. It's like, take a fucking whatever, like a high school aged pitcher and say, I want you to throw technically perfect about 50% of what you can throw for speed. 
and it's going to look immaculate. And then you're going to go, I want you to throw the ball as hard as you can. And there might be some breakdowns where you can like tweak stuff here and there, but it's like, Hey man, like when I'm jogging, I'm a big guy. I'm not a runner, but I can jog and my jog looks like a pretty normal jog. But if you tell me to sprint, I look like a monkey fucking a football. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, and there's a reason for that because like a maximal effort thing is hard. So you need to like work on that. And then, in, in my eyes, like you work on that and then you see the little pieces and you go, all right, we need to fix this, fix this, and we can do this. And, and I think also people don't think that we ever fucking, like people think that we never free squat, we never use a straight bar. Like I do both of those things on a semi-regular basis. I think we're, so one, like you made a good point. I think this should be reemphasized is like when you lift heavy, shit breaks down. And as a coach, it makes my job that much easier. And I, I want shit to break down because lifters learn from making mistakes. So if I, so we use straight bars a lot, but we'll change foot position, bar placement stuff. So we use like a high bar wide stand squat a lot. So if you're sure. pitching forward in a squat and you don't drive back with your chest before you push with your legs in that high bar wide stance position, you're going to eat shit. You will learn really fucking quickly to stay upright in a squat when you have that type of error happening. But if you're just coasting around, this is what I saw with my lifters before. When we were just coasting around with submax weights, everybody's lifts look great. I didn't, yeah. have, I didn't have to do shit, but then all yeah. of a sudden at 90%, you know, the nerves are kicking in. So they're approaching the bar differently and those nerves are definitely affecting the movement. And then like shit is not just breaking down a little bit. It is fucking breaking down and they are missing, missing yeah. weight. And then they're scared to retake it. And like, it just, I was talking to So this guy's a researcher out in England, but he, he talked about training with consequences that all athletes need to train with consequences because it places competition pressures on you. So when we okay. start training with these consequences, right? Like lifting heavy has consequences. You might miss. And right. you can't be scared to miss. And then like, I think this even like couples with, you go to a meet and there's this like nine for nine mentality. Like if you don't go nine for nine, the, the world's going to cave in on itself. Like, <laughs> I remember listening to, so Jennifer Thompson's been in the IPF forever. Right? She's the bench presser, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I remember her on an interview being like, when I first started lifting, a nine for nine was like a hole in one in golf. You never saw it because people would go out there and put weight on the bar and really like hang their nuts out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, that's what competing was. And now it's like, oh no. And I've had lifters like this in the past and lifters that were really strong. And it's like, I need you to drop my, drop my third. That second felt heavy. It's like, what the fuck do you have me here for then? Just put it on the bar and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You came all this way to do something. You want to take a moderate single for a third, like fucking blow your fucking blood vessels out in your face and miss a rep. And like, that's, that's what you're here to do. Yeah. You know, and like a certain amount of like, you have to like, uh, be willing to like, it's, it's heavy, dude. Like it's, that's the essence of the sport, right? So, like, if it didn't feel heavy, then it wouldn't be powerlifting. It would just be, like, whatever, working Rough. out. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you would call it, but, like, there's definitely um, – and that's something that I've experienced, and, and now I make sure to tell my lifters because I do – my shit is more online, and I know you do a lot of hands-on stuff, but – so you can say this is what it looked like in in real time, but I tell them, like – Yo, video your sets and look at them because you can't perceive time when you're in the middle of a lift. 
you really don't know how fast it was. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're in your fucking 70% range and you just come down and whap, and you know, you can feel the bar whip and everything else. It's like, okay. But when you're in that like 90, you know, 95, 105% type area, like you don't, you can't really perceive like the speed on the bar. So it, it feels heavy and it's like, yeah, look at the video and then you go, oh, okay, that wasn't nearly as slow as I thought it was. Okay, give me another one. Like, give me quarters or, or whatever. Jump a plate or, or whatever. Put a whatever color kilo thing on there. And you know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> there's like, it should feel heavy, dude. All, all of my squats, like, for the most part, you know, like if I have a suit on uh, and it, I'm on a platform, like, my openers are in the thousands. They, they're fucking heavy. I'm not a superhuman. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you're in your, in that top range, it's going to feel heavy and, and it really shouldn't be easy. Cause then you're really leaving a lot on the platform. I am a fan of leaving like some pounds there, you know, but if you're going to say, Oh, that was hard. I don't want to take another one. It's like, motherfucker, it should be hard. Like, and you should take another one because that's what you're here for. Like we didn't, you know what I mean? Didn't train for however many weeks to come here and say, eh, it doesn't feel great. You know, I, uh, they actually, I have them, even though I'm there, they film their sets for those same reasons. But like, oh, I, okay. you know, one of the things that I tell them is like, don't ignore your feelings. If it felt heavier than normal, take that into consideration, but look at the video, look at the speed, look, you know, some of the things like bench can break down pretty quick if you're losing that speed off the chest, right? It might look like it's moving fast, but it's starting to slow down a little bit. And you just know that you're kind of almost on borrowed time. Yeah. Like, take your feelings, take what you see, <laughs> and, put the, and put the right weight on the bar. Like, yeah. don't ignore them. But like, you know, because maybe on a good day, you can make a 25, 30 pound jump on that. and You know, you have it, but it is, it's moving a little slower. It feels a little heavy. All right, go 20 pounds. Right? Yeah, and, and then maybe you pick up speed and take another one. Put five pounds on that bar. But like at, at a competition, right? If if you constantly approach a bar in training, and you're like, "Oh, that feels heavy," so I'm going to take it easy today. You are literally preparing yourself for a competition when it feels heavy. Let's say you're cutting weight, right? Or you're a little nervous, and the weights start to feel heavy. You have literally trained to put your tail between your fucking legs and back out of that competition. You're going to have a shitty day because that's what you prepared to do in the gym. Sometimes shit feels fucking heavy. It's supposed to feel heavy, but yeah. it mean you're not capable of lifting that weight on that given day. Yeah. You're almost detraining to, to if you're, if every time it feels like shit or feels a little heavier, you back off, like you're training your body to like be like, Ooh, that nope, don't want to do that. And it's like, like you said, man, there are obviously days where you feel like, you know, it, where, where shit doesn't move good. We're humans. We're all made of flesh and bone, you know, like there's times where you just don't feel fucking good and there's a reason for it. And that your body is saying, Hey, asshole, don't do this today. That is very obvious. When that happens, you rack the bar and you go, I'm fucking done. Like, and you know it. But when you come out and you go, eh, I don't know, like me, 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 it doesn't feel good. Then it's like, okay, dude, like, let's reevaluate what the fuck we're doing here. Because when you're, it's like when someone says, I think I'm overtrained. If you say you think you're overtrained, you're not overtrained. Because when I'll tell you what, when you're fucking overtrained, your CNS is blown out. You fucking know it really quick. <laughs> like, there's no, like, I think I might be. It's like, 
I, I pick up the bar and I'm shaking. I can't sleep. I'm hungry all the time, but I can't eat. I'm beat the fuck up. It's like, I am fucking overtrained. You know, most of the people who use that term don't train hard enough to get there anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's really hard to even achieve raw. Like, oh, dude. Yeah. You're just not pushing absolute weights like that, that I think that's even going to. Yeah. Your joints would give out, but like you'd start having issues that are, unless you're like a freak of nature, but you're going to start getting like the tendonitis and the dings and the, the bumps and bruises before you get to the point where you like, wake up in the morning and you can't make a strong fist because you're so fucking destroyed, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I just had something and I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah. So uh, right now we're just fucking going at them. (laughs) I've been ranting all week on this stuff. (laughs) For us in the gym, right? Like on those days. So I took this from somebody that I used to train with. So like matching a previous PR, we always called kissing your sister and you don't, you don't want to kiss your sister. Like just put that extra five pounds on. So even on a day that it feels like shit and something, you know, may not be moving great. I'll make them put that weight on the bar. Cause I do think there's a benefit to seeing it, feeling it on your back or in your hands, taking it down. Even if you miss it, like approaching it and having that, like, you know, cause the next time you approach it, you're just not as nervous to see it there. You're not as shocked at how it feels on your back. Like, and sometimes that's just how it is at a meet. Sometimes your second attempt feels like fucking dog shit. Yeah. But you're going to go out there and you're going to take a, you're going to take a third. So see what happens. And you know, maybe they make it 60% of the time or something. Don't be afraid to miss miss because it's too fucking heavy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's like, definitely like something to that. And like, Obviously, like, I'm in person with them, so we have spotters. If it, like, if their fucking previous one was, like, a shaking to lock it out, or, we're not doing that. Right. But, like, if it was, like, a nine and a half, there's a little bit of room there. Like, you know, maybe there's 10 pounds there, but that would be matching their best. Put the 15 on and see what happens. And in a lot of cases, like, you just can see the people who have it and who don't, too. Like, when they put that weight on the bar, they just go to another place and... And yeah, a lot of times they, they'll fucking smoke it somehow. And like, and others will kind of be intimidated by it. But over time, they start to develop almost like that same type of trait where they'll, they'll approach it, not be scared of it. And they'll start to hit it more often than not under those uh, conditions. And uh, I, we talked about this on the last podcast, but like I'm big on, on competing and developing a skill to compete. And in a lot of cases, it's not with each other, but it's with yourself. Because when you're approaching that bar, you're not thinking about what anybody else squatted. In a lot of cases, you're like, fuck, this is heavy. This, this may have stapled me before. I've had a hard time hitting this. I cut weight, like whatever it may be. Like you're going to have all those negative thoughts and just learning how to handle your shit and just focus on what you need to do to get the lift, I think is the most important aspect of this sport. Yeah. Like controlling the internal dialogue, um, is tough. I was actually talking to uh, <clears throat> a friend of mine and we were doing uh, a reverse band bench. Um, and I took my record was 575 and I did 550. And like, <clears throat> I just didn't respect it. You know, I did five plates for a double and it was like harder than I thought. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I just was like, all right, five, I'll go 550. I'll do this single real quick. And then I'll just jump to six plates. Fuck it. And 550 was fucking hard. And I was like, shit. You know, and Dave looks at me. He's like, you're fine, dude. Like, you know, sometimes it's not there. We've had a hard week, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm sitting there and my other training partner hits a PR. And I'm like, 
fucking motherfucker. Like I can't, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, God damn it. But then you start getting this internal dialogue because I had had, I, I had had or talked about pec injuries several times that day. So like goofing around, like, and, and saying shit about blowing your peck off this or, you know, whatever. And so I had those at the back of my head. And then I'm like, am I sitting here thinking like, do I take this and then get hurt? And then I have to, and then I'm going to be later saying, dude, in my head, I was thinking today's the day I blow my fucking shit up. You know what I mean? And I had to like figure out like, okay, are you just freaking yourself out? Or is this a sign that you need to shut it down? And I said, uh, you know, fuck it. And I took it and, and really like got aggressive with it. And I smoked the weight like way faster than the one before. And I had the PR and I was stoked, but I've definitely had times in that same situation where I said, like, I'm not taking another one because I have a bad feeling about this and I would rather live to fight another day. Um, and there's definitely something to that. There's, I dude, Louis, lost his fucking mind on me one time because <laughs> I have this thing where as soon as I, like I'll set my back up under the bar if I'm squatting, you know, set my feet up, set my back up. And then I'll like kick my hips back when I take a breath. And then I pull my chest through, lift my head up, take the bar out. When I pull my chest through every single time in my head, I go, I'm going to blow my knees off every <laughs> single time. And what it does for me is like, once you accept the possibility of it happening, there's nothing to be scared of. Because, so, and I said that to Louie, and he's like, what the fuck's the matter with you? <laughs> he was like, he was all pissed off about it. But, dude, I mean, like, ever since uh, is actually, I started doing it after uh, when Brandon Lilly blew his knees off whenever that was, five years ago or whatever. I had to squat the next day and I remember thinking about it every time I picked the bar up, every time I picked the bar, fuck dude, I'm thinking about thinking about it. And then I just started doing it on purpose to like prove myself like it's fine. And now I literally do that every single time I take the bar out, no matter what the weight is. And it's sort of like, um, they talk about it with like, I don't know if it's Viking or like an Asian culture. I don't remember, but they talk about how warriors would like visualize and meditate on, like seeing themselves getting like ripped to a million pieces, getting their head cut off and, and getting fucking and getting killed and all this stuff. And then it's the same idea. Like once they accept like this could happen, then it's like, it is what it is, motherfucker. And here we go, you know, and that really helps my mindset. I wouldn't suggest that to a lot of people, <laughs> but for me, that's something that works with those bigger weights. When you start sit, sitting there being like, fuck should i do this should i not fuck it i'm gonna do it here we go gonna blow my shit to pieces let's party you know what i mean we, um, we have a very similar mental approach uh, <laughs> with that because i tell them like once your hands are on the bar you accept all risk because you're gonna get fucked up if you're thinking about what can go wrong so sure. one of the things that we talk about is it's not yeah you're you're gonna so mike tyson he used to always say how he was anxious and nervous walking down to the ring but confident and it's not ignoring the nerves that you might have or you know, sometimes you get in your head with stuff, accept those feelings, but kind of let them pass through you, accept them, acknowledge them and move on and understand that like, you know, your fear and your anxiety are nothing more than worry about predicted future outcomes, but you're still in control in this very moment. And at that very moment, take control, accept the risks. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be fucking heavy. But like for me, 
And like, we, we have this thing, like always respect the, the weights. And I have this mantra of no reps off. So you're going to get into those like heavier sets where you're going to be looking forward to the next set. And then that one's going to be the one that fucking buries you because you're not respecting yeah. the weight. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So like, know it's going to be heavy, except that it's going to feel heavy when you walk it out. But like, so like when I'm visualizing, like before I go up for like any lift, I'm, I'm expecting the worst. So I'm going to, I'm going to walk up to that deadlift bar. What if it gets away from me? I'm going to, I'm going to recognize, I'm going to pull it back in and I'm going to finish the lift. I'm going to, when I unrack that squat, when my legs are shaking because it feels so fucking heavy before I lock my knees, walking it out, I'm, I'm going to, I'm already prepared for those moments because I've already thought about it before I'm about to do it. So when it happens, it's not a surprise and you just, you learn how to handle it over time. And that's like one of the things that we really just like try to reinforce. I think it's so important. I think what you end up seeing is you get a lot of lifters who they feel nervous and scared, so that's where they got to jack up the heavy metal music. The, the last meet that I pulled a deadlift PR on my third attempt, I got to pick a song. I picked a fucking Taylor Swift song because I'm like, every fat motherfucker that pulls before me is going to pick some death metal song. And <laughs> I can't fucking wait to be ending the deadlifts at this meet and there's a Taylor Swift song in the fucking background. I'm going to lock that fucking shit out. <laughs> you know, yeah, so- like, I, I've said before, like... Uh, I did. My knees getting wrapped and Evanescence comes on at the WPO on my third attempt. That was excellent. I like in my head, I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's party. Um, but uh, yeah, like I've said it before when a, a lot of time, most of the time, if someone's getting ready to do a lift in the gym and they say, can you put on this specific song? They already missed the weight. They've already fucking, they're already questioning whether or not now, I've had times where I'll look at somebody and be like, yo, can you hit me with something? Like, give me some energy, dude. Like, let's get some fucking music going, you know? That's, that's a little different. But when someone says, uh, can you play this specific song by this specific person for this specific lift? It's like, you've already lost, dude, because you don't get to do that at a meet, and you're already worried about it right now. Yep. I, I do. So I do a lot of, like, visualization stuff. <laughs> so I have this one song. So... The last, uh, I went to uh, the guard and I saw some UFC fights and Connor. This is when Conor McGregor was kind of like coming up, and he comes out to this song, the Huggy Do. It's a Janae O'Connor song. It's fucking slow, but it's like aggressive. At it's like a war song almost. Sure. And like when the lights went down, I like shut off, and then like the music kicked on. That place fucking erupted. And, like, I just remember that, like, feeling I had at that moment in time, like, how fucking badass I would be walking out of that tunnel to that yeah. song with a crowd, like, and then he just, like, annihilated Dennis Seaver in, like, <laughs> seconds. So, I, like, I'll do my visualization to one song. Okay. So, so like, at a meet, or, like, if I have, uh, you know, I'm having a tough day and I really need to, like, dig down deep and focus, and I'll put that song on as I'm you know, wrapping up and getting, and getting ready to take my lift. It's kind of like a trigger. Sure. You know? Yeah. So Vincentello, if you ever look at his old like deadlift videos, you'll see him making a fist before. Him. And, uh, I get to have a, I talked to him on the phone, maybe like two or three months ago, asking him just about like mental training tips and stuff like that. So every night before he goes to bed and when he wakes up, he would just like visualize. And for him, he had pulled, I want to say he said like, it was like eight twenty in the gym or something, but he thought it was under 800 pounds. He just like misloaded the bar, but like, he wanted to beat his buddy or whatever it was. So for him, that was like his moment. So before bed, he'll visualize that moment, what it felt like 
what the weight felt like, the crowd, all of those things, and he'll apply that trigger. So he'll make that fist. So he'll do that and just yeah. like train his body so that when he's about to lift, he doesn't have to think about that moment. He just makes that fist and it just kind of like elicits that same like yeah. physiological response before he uh, would go up and pull the weight or whatever. And uh, I, yeah, there's I definitely that something to that. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. Like certain stuff that like gets you to that particular thing. For me, like uh, it's more like smells. So like chalk or ammonia, like that shit. Like I don't really like what ammonia does to me. Like when I smell it, I don't like my nose burning. I don't like my eyes watering. Um, I actually would prefer like a weaker like ammonia cap. Um because just the smell of it puts me somewhere or the smell of like baby powder just gets me fucking fired up because it's like, I don't know if you guys are allowed to use, are you guys allowed to use baby powder? USAPL? Yeah. 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 Yep. So yeah. Like when I smell baby powder, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude, it's time to part. Like it's time to go because now it's just associated with like me feeling like shit at the end of the meet at the end of a meet and like having to pull a deadlift you know so like that's a very that's like a i didn't do it on purpose but now it's like you know if i'm around my sister's kid and she used baby powder i'm like ah like let's, let's fucking let's fucking go you know <laughs> i i totally get that and like for like i won't use nose torque or some bullshit but like so for me like when i crack a cap it actually like calms me down and just lets me focus more and i think a lot of people use them to try to get like amped up yeah but like, I, it may not even be the cap, right? But maybe it is like something with the smell, but maybe it's the deep breathing, right? That I'm taking like some big breaths and I'm yep. just, I'm taking my time approaching the bar. Like there's just like a number of things that I think it may help me with, with that focus on those like. Oh yeah. Or just the process, dude. Like it, yeah, it can exactly. just be like the, the act of doing it, like the act of putting on your wrist wraps or, or whatever. <clears throat> like I know <clears throat> I don't really, I don't like taking things too seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like to have fun, like, you know, but there's certain times in the gym that like, I just turn that, turn that on real quick. Cause I like to have fun in the gym when I'm training too, man. Like, it's, like you gotta, life sucks, dude. You know, like there's lots of parts of life and growing up that like aren't fun and are shitty, but like the gym is fun. It should be fuck, man. You know, like otherwise what the hell are we doing? Exactly. Um, so like there's certain times like that, the process of it, like gets me in the right mindset. So like there's, I actually haven't shared with, this with anyone. I, I haven't even told my wife this, I don't think, but no, there, at, at West side, there's like a, it's two bays of like an industrial thing. And then they cut out a part of the wall so that they're together. And it's like a big door and right in, in that little entryway type thing. There's, that's where the chalk bowl is. It's this big blue chalk bowl. It's not very deep. It's like a kind of a disc. And when I, get my wrist straps on to bench i'll walk across the gym walk over there got one wrist strap over my shoulder be wrapping my left wrist and as i'm laughing my wrapping my left wrist i look up to where the ceiling meets the the wall on the other side and there's like a line of different colored paint and i just look at that and then turn my back and keep repping my wrists and for me that little moment there is just like, okay, it's time to fucking bench press something. And, and, and it doesn't affect me outside there. I don't need that when I'm out of meat. I'm already elevated out of meat. I'm focused on whatever. But when we're in the, in the gym, 
and you're around your friends and it's like, you know, we're having fun. We're just lifting weights. I step away from them for a second to the chalk bowl, wrap, start to wrap my wrist, look at that spot on the wall, grab some chalk and go. And that process helps me like turn the corner into being serious. I go, I bench, stand up, and then it's back to being like, okay, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so it's, it's not necessarily anything other than just like getting through the steps to get there. I think the important part too is you get a lot of lifters who, when they know they, uh, we're doing a, a heavier lift or they're at a competition, they try to get amped up the whole time. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, dude, you haven't even put a knee sleeve on yet. Like, yeah. chill out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to run out of gas before you even get to your third squat, and then you're going to have to bench and deadlift. Like, no one to turn it on and when to turn it off. And I think that just comes with experience, I think, more, more than anything else. But, like, one of the things for me that I've realized is sometimes, like, it's easy to get me jacked up. Like, uh, Jess, Jess Burdick the other day was saying that, like, I only have, like, one – like, my baseline level is just, like, murderous rage. So, yeah. like, sometimes <laughs> for me, like, I need to put some quiet music on and just take three minutes to bring myself down before I lift, not necessarily bring myself up. Yeah, dude, I, I'm the same sort of way where it's like I have two speeds hard and done. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I'm not really like, like, I'm an intense individual already. I don't need to get like more intense most of the time. Like most of the time I need to go the other way with it. Um, and I think a lot of people see videos of Dave or Chuck uh, or like, or, or Ray, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you see these guys and they approach the bar and they're like, rah, rah, you know, and they're fucking screaming and yelling, whatever. And then, but if you watch, dude, when they get to the bar and they put their fucking hands on it, they take a big breath and relax. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I can see, like in my head, I'm like, right now, I'm like, think, you know, Dave will, you know, he'll let out like, a, you know, like, like yell or bark or whatever he's going to do. And then he comes over and he sets his feet up and you can tell he's just like getting in the zone to move the weight and just like calmly taking the bar out and, and, and doing the movement. And I think a lot of people miss that part because it's overshadowed by like someone headbutting the bar and fucking going crazy. But even Chuck, dude, if you watch those videos, like that dude was a fucking maniac. Uh, but like headbutting the fucking when, bar. Yeah, dude. When he'd get under the bar, though, you could see him take at least a second to be like, "Okay, you know what I'm saying." Yeah. So that part, I, I, I've had clients in the past where I've had to be like, "Listen, man, you're not good enough yet to use your rage to lift the weights. You are not good enough to do that." you need to settle down and become technically sound and confident. And then once you can do that shit without thinking about it, then you can get mad at it and you can use that. But until then you need to just like lift the fucking weights properly. You know what I'm saying? And get comfortable with handling bigger weights. And then when you need to take it to the next level and you feel like proficient in the movement, then you can fucking use the like, you know, you can go like full blown crazy person and do whatever the hell you want. You know, what's up? <laughs> Calm aggression, right? Like, I remember, so if I ever, like, tried to do rounds, like, back in the MMA days, if I was pissed off or something, you're not rolling with the punches. You're not flowing with your combos. Punches hurt way fucking more. Like, ang anger can be your enemy in a lot of cases, and I think 
it's the same underneath the weight. Like when you get angry, you speed things up too, instead of like slowing things down and being like more aware of what's happening. So you might take the bar down faster than you're capable of controlling it. It floats a little forward on you. You can't get enough speed to, to finish the lift or you cut it a little bit high because it felt like you were under it longer, but you're speeding everything up and yeah. you're, just, you're not hitting your depth. Like we want to slow things down. Like a lift takes three seconds. Like yeah. it should feel like it, it in eternity. Like you should be aware of everything happening going down. Like maybe you misgroove it, but you can save the lift. But if well, you're like just so like amped up that that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Don't try to be fast. Do it correct. And it will be fast. Smooth That's like, fast. yeah, it's like, yeah, that whole thing. And, and on something less on a less serious note, <laughs> uh, so I know, I know in the federations that I compete in, uh, there's, there's no extra points for this, but I see people do it all the time. And I don't think there's any extra points for it where you guys compete. But do you know of anything where you get extra points for how hard you snap the bar out of the rack? <laughs> nope. <laughs> because that shit drives me fucking crazy. <laughs> I'm like, everyone's like, scooge. And you're like, Hey man, like, Stop it. Like, you don't need to, first of all, you don't need to do that. Save that for the way up. Yeah, like, dude, like, that whole thing and, like, the, it, that, that's very, and I don't want to sit here and, like, talk shit on people's style or whatever, but when I see that stuff, whenever I see one of my lifters do it, I'm like, hey, don't do that because you're going to feel really stupid when you do that and you think you look cool and you fall over backwards. Or the bar bounces off your back or you fucking, it moves on your back because you snapped it out so hard and then you, it's too high on your back and you fucking pass out in the hole or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not worried about how cool I look when I lift. I'm worried about the lift. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do that in the IPF because we don't use squat bars. So you get enough weight on that bar. It fucking bends and it, it becomes a little bit whippy. So if you're squatting six, 700 or higher, like you're taking it out with fucking control because that whip would fucking kill you. Would murder you. Yeah. And, and, and so the same thing, I mean, like if you just transfer that over to, to multiply lifting, like we use the thicker bars, but the weights are bigger. So like the, the same thing, like you take it out and it whips. It's like, that's actually something that I learned about, uh, you know, when I started handling like mid nines into the thousands, I had a guy tell me like, you got to let off the gas a little bit towards the top because if you can squat a thousand pounds fast and you're not used to it, when you get to the top, it's going to whip at the top. And when it whips back down, you're going to eat shit. <laughs> and I had never thought of that, but that's those little things. And I'm sure with those the 20 K, uh, kg bars, like, that's a real thing that you need to account for because those things are like a fucking pool noodle. So if you're, you know, if you're a guy like Blaine or, or any of the do, I don't, I don't know how many guys like squat into the nines and the thousands, uh, but I'm sure there's a, a handful of them. There are a handful. Those guys like the whip at the top, they really, where it might help them in the bottom, right? Cause they hit the bottom hard and it's going to snap them back up or whatever. If you time but, it well. Yeah. yeah. At the top, it's like, if you don't control that bar, you're going to, kill yourself and probably three spotters <laughs> you know watching big ray at the arnold take out you know the 1069 and watching him walk that back i was like 
holy shit, if I was a spotter right now, I would literally be shitting myself yeah. while he's walking that way back. Because that is yeah. like a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, especially like since the spotter's combined weight of the four of them is about 600 pounds. And you're like, <laughs> uh, okay, this doesn't look super safe. But dude, well, dude, I'll tell you what, man. Some of the shit, <clears throat> I, I can poke fun all I want, and you know, whatever. They do the same thing to us, but... I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I would not walk want to walk a, ra- a a weight out of those hooks, and I would not want to put a rack back uh, weight back in those hooks. And like, uh, there's just lots of stuff about that that like I am not willing to do, don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, just and I'm not like I'm not you know too tough to say that shit. Like, no, dude. I have nowhere in my body does it say. I want to walk out a thousand pounds. I'll, I'll, it, it is back. by far the scariest part of the squat. So once you're yeah. over, like squatting, <laughs> yeah. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> fucking shaking, taking it back. The weights. Have you ever heard the uh, the story of Fred Hatfield at a at a meet mm-hmm. in, in those racks? So it wasn't against the rules back then. So he actually cut the elastics out of jock straps to use as wrist as uh, knee wraps, and okay. he tells them when he unracks the bar to move the rack. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think he squatted close to a thousand. It was, you know, into the nines, anyways. But yeah, he unracks it from this rack, and you just see the spotters take it away, and then then he squats. (laughs) Yeah, I saw. I don't know. I saw something the other day. um, I don't want to really run my mouth too much about it, but uh, I definitely saw something the other day with uh, with Chris Duffin, where he had like a. It was they were it was the. It was a stand rack, like a rector rack or whatever, and uh, uh, he had like it was like balanced on ten pound plates type thing. And so when he stood up with the weight, it like leaned backwards, so he didn't have to walk it out. So it was almost like uh, it was almost like the hooks of the monolift were coming from the bottom. So okay. like it was like a, like a seesaw type thing, and I saw that, and I was just like. Why don't you just use a monolith, man, at that point? I'm pretty sure he has one, too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not really sure what's going on here, but whatever, dude. I mean, like, the Instagram video got tons of likes and shares, so fuck it. Of course it did. <laughs> um, so what's I that, did. Let's, hear some, let's hear some of these fucking questions, man. We're going to... Yeah. You and me yeah. have a we'll we'll again. Spiral, spiral into the shit talk. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. If we, <laughs> if we I, don't get to some of it... <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally what I do for like 40 hours a week. Half yeah. the time. That's more than half of my coaching job. But uh, I, I want to hear like what it's like, you know, I want to hear like about Louie, right? So like this guy was, I mean, he started messing around in this sport before I was fucking born. Right. And like, just a, you know, when I had first got into powerlifting, it was like, I got caught up in the, you know, fuck West side, the, where I had worked. Of course. You know, I, I was having a, um, a bit of a spat with some of the other coaches to the point where like, I wanted to like fight them in the parking lot and they were doing like West side stuff. And I was with Chico. So like that, that didn't help and stuff, but you know, we've lost the ability to kind of learn from those before us. I think in this sport, like this is a, I think I actually heard Matt Wenning say this. This is a sport where the coach, none of the coaches have clout, but Louie has fucking clout. And like, and now that, you know, I'm getting a little bit older, I've been surrounded by coaches with more experience who just keep feeding me 
his shit for the most part and like like read this read this try this try that and like and now i i agree with more of it than i disagree with and granted we tweak things and do our own thing but like i have like you've said i have far more west side influences in my program than i think most usapl coaches do but yeah i want to hear what it's like to actually be in that environment being coached (laughs) and learning and learning from him and your craziest louis story um well, the first time the first time I ever walked into Westside, Chris Spiegel, which they talk about him on the documentary, um, Chris Spiegel, who's like fucking Jesus, man, he's like six seven, six eight, and he's fucking over four hundred pounds. The dude is enormous. I think he's the first American to pull nine hundred raw, or something like that. He, he's he, the dude's a fucking monster, and he's hanging. He's doing the like Donnie Thompson, like hang from the bands, like on your hips. Yeah, upside yeah. upside down with four fucking blue bands <laughs> in a power rack and it's like one of those west side like you know the power racks like with like the little holes all the way up the, the sides yeah, yeah. Of them. and he takes up the whole fucking thing <laughs> and i was just like what the fuck is that now i'm at this point i was coming off of uh, my last raw meet where i cut to i cut to 198 um and actually bombed on bench raw so um it was was not a great experience for me (laughs) so uh but this was like literally two days later we went out to west side and i got in a canvas for the first time and um it it was like you walk in there and you're like holy shit like this is crazy and like you know instagram wasn't quite as big then so it was like what year was this uh fuck man this is probably this was four or five years ago maybe something like that um and and so i didn't really know many of the guys that were training there at the time like the morning crew guys like i kind of knew who they were from like a couple youtube videos but i didn't know them i didn't know how they were going to react to me being there i was just like a fucking nobody like whatever and um i got in a canvas and then all of a sudden i look around and i'm squatting in a monolith by myself they were doing a rack pull and they like tommy would just call them and they would all come over and spot me and then you know and give me some some you know, queuing or whatever, and then go back to what they were doing. And that was something that I took away from that. That was like, uh, if you went into a fucking commercial gym and some, and you didn't bench three plates and some dude could bench three plates, he's going to look at you like you're a fucking schmuck when in actuality, like he's kind of a schmuck. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Now, now here I was surrounded by dudes who all out totaled me by hundreds of pounds and they took time out of their training to, to come help. Um, and that's sort of like part of the culture that's there that people don't really talk about because it's kind of more cool to be like, we're fucking crazy. And, the, and, and people definitely are there, you know, and, and we're definitely kind of, you know, <laughs> out of our minds. But if you come in and you want to get stronger, um, most of the time you're going to be met with like a lot of help and, and respect. So that was cool. But I, as far as Louis concerned, man, like, he told me <clears throat> my tryout meet. Well, I went out. Uh, I did circumax. He asked me to come out and do circumax with them, so I came out and did like six. I think it was six plates and a quarter plus a blue and a green band to a box. And my best squat in a meet at that time was eight hundred. Um, and I had just come off a of knee surgery, <clears throat> and so I did that. And I asked. I just straight up asked him. I was like, "Dude, what's it going to take for me to fucking come out here?" And he's like, oh, you want to you train out here? I was like, yeah. And I literally just still had my canvas on. And he was like, you can move out here now. 
I was like, fuck, dude. All right, cool. So he gave me a meet to do in Virginia as like a tryout meet. Um, and after I squatted 905 at 220 and um, I missed 955 uh, in an atrocious manner. Um, <laughs> lucky I didn't fucking kill myself. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so he came up to me after the meet. And he was like, we'll put 100 pounds on your squat in three months. I moved to Ohio September 1st or something like that. And before Christmas, I think it was like December 18th, I squatted 1,000. So it was like almost to a T. He fucking called it. He put 100 pounds on my squat in like roughly three months. Um, I, I remember reading an article that Louis had written about your squat and how you were sitting <laughs> – how you were sitting straight down in the squat, not like sitting back. Was that yeah. you? I think yeah. That... Yeah. So there was like lots of stuff that he was like, the, the fucking guy laughed at me at some point because I, I had squatted nine and I was training there and we started doing good mornings and I couldn't do more than five reps with two plates for good mornings. And he just started laughing at me and I'm like, what? And he's like, it is remarkable how weak you are and you can still squat 900 pounds. And he was like, there's like obviously something going on here. If you can't do good mornings with three plates, but you can squat 900, there's a severe weak link in the chain. And, you know, it was low back and glutes basically uh, with some form stuff. So I just like lived on a reverse hyper and, and a belt squat and like had a couple guys like show me what's what on how to squat. And that changed everything. Cause he told me then he was like, you have 1100 pound legs and a 900 pound back. And to be honest with you, dude, I don't really train my legs a whole hell of a lot. And my squats jumped 200 and something pounds since then. Louis, Louis big on the, uh, the hamstrings, glutes and back for the squat, right? Yeah. Yeah, really. And, and, um, <clears throat> so we <laughs> lose a very polarizing guy. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So like you love them, you hate them, you hate that you love them, you know, like sometimes you love to piss them off. Sometimes, you know, getting the guy's approval is, um, it's weird because you, you're like, yes, like I got it. And then you're like, why do I fucking care? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ah, yeah, yeah. um, but <clears throat> he wants the best for the gym and that's the number one thing. So that's just something you have to keep in mind. Um, probably one of the most obnoxious stories was I was, <laughs> I was going into, uh, there's two. So I was, there's one where I was doing, um, I can send you the video on Instagram. I was doing triples for speed work for squats. And it was like five and a half plates, like 200 and chain. And <clears throat> he comes over and he starts busting my balls for not doing sets of five because he was on a five-by-five five kick at the time. And we were doing a lot of that. So I was doing triples because um, I was dealing with some groin stuff. And he said something, you know, you know, some guys want to work hard and some guys don't. And I was like, this motherfucker. I was, so, <laughs> I was so fucking mad, right? And so in the video, I do triple and my head is up, you know, because I kind of have like, I look up when I squat. And then you see my head just straighten out and I look straight forward and do three more reps and rack it. So I did a set of six and as I stepped, the video cuts out the, you know, I'm like, yeah, that, that's what I thought. Motherfucker. Like started yelling at shit. <laughs> and, and yeah, this has happened a couple times where he would like kind of talk shit to me 
and I would get mad and I would do something. And it took me a little bit to realize like, this is, I'm doing exactly what he wanted me to do. Yeah. You know, like I had a, I was going in to do a rack pull and he was like, you don't need to do a rack pull. You need to do a four inch deficit deadlift. And I was like, Louie, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm going to go and do a four inch deficit and, and pull 600 pounds and then be done. Like, no, I'm doing a rack pull. And he was like, you'd never pull 600 off of a four inch deficit. <laughs> and I was like, like I was so mad, like left breakfast, go and start warming up. And I just set up the four and I just start fucking going, you know? And, you know, I pull, pull six ten or six Oh five or something, throw the weight down. I'm like, that's what I thought. And he looks at me, just starts laughing. <laughs> and I'm like this motherfucker. the, the, uh, the, okay. So <laughs> the one more, so it's, it's, <laughs> it was Circamax and that was like my shit. Like I loved Circamax Day. I was like, I get to go against a bunch of bands. Like it was always fun for me. I woke up at the time that I was supposed to be at the fucking gym. My phone had died overnight. I never, that's not me. I set like three alarms every night. So I wake up and I'm like, fuck. So phone's off, run to the gym. Like, dude, like no breakfast, no like pre-workout shit, nothing. Just like go to the gym, run in. They've already got blue, green, purple bands on the bar. So I just, I literally walk into the, the gym, put my shoes on, get under the bar and start going. My record was seven plates and a dime, I believe. And so I get going <clears throat> and I get to my top set and I miss it. I'm like, fuck. So I'm sitting there and I'm leaned up against this thing and I hear someone say my name behind me. And I turn and it, Lou's standing there with this kid, John, and I turn and I'm like, what the fuck did you just i'm like are you talking that shit and i like i start losing my mind and i'm like load that motherfucker back up you know so uh he loads it back we load it back up i take it again i get it fucking rack the weight you know <clears throat> throw my belt and i'm not really that guy either like a, a throwing person but throw my belt walk across the other side of the gym and i'm just like walking in circles and I'm like, this motherfucker. And so I, and then I walk back over and I start like screaming and yelling, like, I don't need no breakfast. Like, I'll do it. What about, you know, and I start going on and he just starts laughing. He hadn't said a fucking thing about me. It was the other person that said my name. He just let me believe that <laughs> so that I would get pissed. So I would do it. And I did it. And I made the weight. And it was like, that shit is what he is. Like, other than like coming up with new machines to work out with and like different templates and stuff. That is what Bluey is best at. Like he will get the most out of you. Like there's no more lemon juice less left in the lemon. He's going to squeeze every fucking drop out of you. Um, and I mean, I think that that is pretty evident when you look at the numbers that have been hitting that fucking gym, you know? So I'm like grateful for those, those times where, Basically, he got me mad enough to do something that I probably shouldn't have been able to do. That's what a great coach does, though, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> All I know is that the, those were three times that I did some shit that maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have been able to do, maybe was dangerous, but um, I don't know. Like, It's a fringe sport. It's a dangerous sport anyway so we kind of like assume those risks and like uh he was that's one of those things where you know that's that's louis right there in a nutshell the guy who can say something to you know what it's going to do to you mentally 
and then you do what he, he gets you to somehow he gets you to do <laughs> what he wanted you to do in the first place. And it's, it's really like, it builds the, the whole place up. So. Well, I think um, that like the important part of that, right. Is you missed a weight, right. That you were capable of hitting mm-hmm. so those circumstances. He's showing you that you're capable of more than what you may think that you're capable of. Right. And I think that's, is probably the most important job of any coach is like being able to interject when it's important like that to be like, no, get under that fucking weight. You can hit that by whatever means necessary. You have to do it. Um, yeah. I think that that's, I think that, uh, you know, that when I was training in the morning and I, and I saw Lou more, more frequently, um, that whole, like not being afraid to take a weight, not, you know, not bitching out on a set. um, I think a lot of my time there uh, that got taught to me because you don't really have much of an option and you don't really have much of a say so in what's going on when you're the new guy. You just kind of go in there and, and you're in the fucking lion's den, dude. You got to just figure it out. Um, and you get like, you know, you can get chewed up and spit out, you know, if, if you do the wrong shit. So <clears throat> I think that being there with him, having me do that stuff and, and really pushing like my mental capacity to deal with like stress and conflict and all that stuff um, has made me a better human as well as a better lifter and a better coach for sure. Cause it's like not all stuff that is, it wasn't all positive, but the outcome was, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it's, it's like looking at like, you know, uh, maybe a relationship that might be toxic at times but, you know, when you look back at it, you're like, oh, I grew a lot from this. So I'm grateful for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, one. So, 100%. Yeah. So that's like kind of been my experience with Louis. But I mean, I mean, when I squatted a thousand pounds, you know, the dude ran over, gave me a hug. You know, you can see him like lose, kind of lose his mind when I do it at the meet. And, um, and then when I took, uh, got my name on the board. Uh, the first time, um, that was another time where he like, you know, kind of lost his mind and was really excited. And that's just cool, man. Cause you're kind of like giving, you know, Dave says it in the documentary, like the best gift he could give to Louie was that biggest total. Right. So like when you move the board, it's for you for sure. Um, but you're also kind of like giving the old man a gift, whether you like him or hate him or whatever, dude, wherever you're at with him at that point, if you move the board, like that's like giving him a fucking Christmas gift. You know what I'm saying? It's showing that the gym is progressing, right? Yeah. And that's all it's, that's what the fuck it's about. And, um, I think over the past, you know, a couple of years, like I've really learned to appreciate, like it's, it's not, and I've said this before. Um, and it was told to me by Hoff years ago, actually, it's like, it's not the name that's on the board right now. It's every name that's been there before that it's not just like, it's not just Logan Zecker on that 242 squat right now. It's Logan Zecker. It's David Jenkinson. It's me. It's Panora. It's whoever was there before Panora. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's everybody's there and there's a lots of layers to that onion. So it means that much more when you do something cool like that. I had this uh, conversation. So uh, with the 52 that I have, the one that I sent you the Dillip video of. So she was, my second ever powerlifting client, so to speak. No shit. Um, 
you know, so like we've been through the ringer together for quite, for quite some time. And she came up to me. I don't even know if she's comfortable with me sharing this, but too bad. I think it's an important message. It's <laughs> happening. <laughs> she, she came up to me last night and she's like, so she finished 10th in the open last year at nationals. And she's like, I don't think nationals is going to be my best meet. And my response to her, I was like, it doesn't have to be. I'm like, you know, we all go through some ups and downs. And like, she, she, you know, she had some life stuff going on. She got promoted at work. So she's like kicking ass outside of the gym and stuff. Like you're competing against people who don't have fucking jobs. Like it's tough. And she's like, but I feel it's on me to bring our team to the Arnold. And I was like, Carrie, you know what? You're at the point now. We're still going to go to the Arnold. We have like three or four people who are going to probably qualify. Like I have this other girl who at regionals, she would, her total was good enough to qualify for the pro American. So if she even just repeated the same meet, she'd qualify for that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I was like, Carrie, none of this stuff happens without you first. Like I took my first year going to nationals. I had one lifter that she kind of like faded away, but she finished fifth at nationals and got a podium spot. And that, that was huge. That was her third meet. And I think it opened the door for others to see that those things are possible. But then for her, she competes at her first nationals in Orlando, qualifies for the Arnold then. I have one of my other earlier on lifters sees it and he's like, man, I want to qualify for the Arnold. The next year he qualifies for the Arnold. Kerry then goes on at 114 pounds to squat 300 pounds and she's taken it about a half a dozen times in the gym. And so now it's, we're at the point where even beginners are squatting 300 pounds with our group. And I'm like, Kerry, they're squatting 300 pounds because you weigh fucking eight ounces and they see you doing it. They know that they can do it. Like, yes, you need the foundation for everybody else here. Yes. Stronger. Like, Nick. Yes. Nick went to the Arnold. Jess is going to go to the Arnold. Doug at some point is going to go to the Arnold because they saw you do it and they wanted that. And they yes. knew you could do it. They could do it. And like, Dude, that shit's so sick. Yeah. And like, she's, and you know, joking around, I don't even know if she's seen the documentary, but I'm like, you're my Chuck Vogel pole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dude, that's so you know? sick. Cause it's like seeing stuff happen. Um, yeah. Like the first time I, free squatted with dave um i remember being like well if he can fucking do this like this opens my brain to the possibility of me doing it. not saying that i would like surpass dave but i'm saying like you see another human being do it and you're like yo we're fucking dude we're made of the same shit like yeah. and some people go the other way they see someone do it and they're like oh i could never oh i just and me i see it and i'm like yeah motherfucker like I can do that too. Like this makes me feel like I can do it. And, and that foundation, like you said, like that foundation, I, I have uh, like eight lifters that I had in New Hampshire um, that I kept on at, that, that basically started my business more or less. Like when I left New Hampshire, they were the eight that I was like, I'm going to try and do online stuff. You know, you guys are basically going to be my, my test dummies here. Yeah, yeah. And I thank them on a regular basis because they kind of help build my my programming and, and and everything that i've done um and then other people see it it's like i think i said it last time uh but there's you know the multiply and conjugate uh and conjugate uh, i'm sorry i just lost my focus because my dog started growling at me um <laughs> conjugate friendly training has almost like doubled in new hampshire and i don't want to say it's because of me it's because of that group of people yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like spreading the gospel of <laughs> of chains and bands, you know what I mean, and rotating bars. But um, I think seeing stuff 
that was a big thing when I came to, to like circle back to the, the West side thing. Like that was a big thing when I came out here. Um, the biggest squat that I had seen in real life was like, like, you know, like a thousand pounds, maybe, maybe 10, 10. And the biggest bench I had seen, uh, was maybe, you know, 700 in gear, 650, something like that. And, so you come out here and you start seeing guys do these, this crazy shit. And you're like, it opened your eyes to like the, like the door's been open. You're like, Oh fuck. There's like a whole other level of strength that I didn't know fucking existed. You know what I'm saying? Like my raw squat when I came out to West side was like, you know, my best raw squat. I mean, it was like six fifty, right? Um, I've done now I've done, five plates and a quarter for a set of five good mornings with a fucking cambered bar with no belt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like if you had said that to me, then I'd be like, that's, there's no fucking way I could do that. Right. It, it helps, you know, and, and, and I had an experience uh, with, a, with the inverse of that where um, a friend of mine, when I was training in Cincinnati for a minute, he told me um, that he saw me do, I did like 950 and just brief spare knee and, and, and he saw me do that. He said that seeing me do that opened up his eyes to like, yo, I can fucking do this, you know? And I think that that, like you said in the beginning, like culture and, you know, surroundings environment are huge because if you're around a bunch of fucking do nothing motherfuckers, guess what? You're going to be a do nothing motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> like, and, and, and I'm sorry if that hurts people's feelings, but like, I don't know, dude. Like a shark's only going to grow to the size of the tank he's in. It's true. <laughs> you know what and I mean? I, like, <laughs> and like, and this is what I, I told her too. Like for one, like when she, when she goes to the Arnold, every, like last year was, it was her second time at the Arnold. She was in the pro American and like 10 people came out to watch the meet and everybody else is watching on the live stream. Like you're opening up the door for all of them to see those possibilities of competing on some of those really, big fucking stages but i also told her at the end of the day you can't be the strongest on this team forever we have to progress right like at right. some point you've got to pass the torch and that next wave has to be stronger than the first wave and they're just laying the ground for that next wave to be stronger than that wave well and otherwise what are we doing dude yeah exactly like it's a good sign that you're not the strongest lifter on this team anymore it means we're <laughs> getting stronger as a team but yeah. they don't get there without you. Like there's steps that have to come. And this is why it takes so long. And this is why, you know, Louis has been doing it for 40 years and people are still crossing names on that board, but that never happens without those first names getting on the, on that board. Yeah, dude. It's all about like, like the shit that you, that, that is like, dude, 10 years ago, if you were like, you know, someone's going to bench seven thirty-eight raw, like there's, that's what that dude did. Right. Seven thirty something. That big, that big guy. Yeah, it almost fell on his face. Yeah, like, dude, you know, legit, you know, legit lift or not, whatever you may think about it. I haven't even bothered to watch the fucking video because I don't. First of all, the spotter don't celebrate. (laughs) Like, if you're spotting me on a bench press, do not celebrate until it's in the fucking rack, dude. I wanted to get into that whole like bossa bosses thing with you at 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 some point during this, but yeah, like, (laughs) if you said that to someone ten years ago, fifteen years ago, like. They're going to say, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, no way. Or, or, you know, like, or now we've got, you know, in, in my neck of the woods, like, if you're a 242 and you don't squat 1,100 pounds, 
you better have a fucking huge deadlift or a huge bench and that's or crazy. you're not going to fucking be competitive, dude. If you look at the guys who compete at 242 now, they all squat 11. Like I can, I, I don't really cut down to 42 much anymore. I'm, I might do it at some point. Um, but I basically I walk around about the weight that those guys do. Some of them actually make bigger cuts than I would have to. But you know, if, if you're, you better fucking bench eight if you don't squat 11. You know what I mean? And, and that's not the case. When I first bumped up to 242, you know, a 1050 squat, 1030 squat was a, kind of a big squat at 42. And now it's like everyone squats 1100. 1100 is the new thousand at 242. Um, and that's, it, it's scary. And that, that pushes some people away from it, which is fine. Go away but it, it takes other people and it makes them go, fuck. Yeah. Like let's elevate this. Let's get fucking crazy and push this sport to like the absolute fucking limit. You know what I mean? Like I'm not really interested in driving a Honda around a fucking, you know, third of a mile track. Like I want to drive a fucking F one and blast the bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, lo- I love driving my Honda. <laughs> Listen, man, I have a Prius. So <laughs> and that is, that is not a lie, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to fucking, I want to be around the motherfuckers that are like pushing the limits top, top tier of what humans can fucking do. And, um, I think that that, that has really helped me, figure out what's possible you know that we there was a uh there was a moment uh when when dave totaled 3010 i was down there i was actually helping jason coker uh helping handle him um but we were down there at tennessee and i didn't really know dave at the time um we were not friendly at the time uh (laughs) and he's warming up he you know he had squatted the 11 whatever and he benched high nines, I believe, at that meet. And then he's warming up his deadlifts, and he said something about, like, I haven't put on my deadlift suit in nine months or whatever it was, you know? And I was like, Jesus, man, I couldn't do that. And he just looks at me, and he goes, don't limit yourself by your fucking mind. And, and for some reason, that's really stuck with me. And, and that has helped me push through some, like, mental barriers that, like, I didn't really know I had. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I start thinking about it and it's like, dude, I missed, I missed a 600 pound bench press at least four or five times in meets. And I hit it in the gym twice. And at the WPO last year, (laughs) I opened with 600 and I had never benched it before in a meet. That's Like, it was just like, he was like, dude, you're opening with 600 and that's just how it's going to go. And I'm like, okay, well I better fucking rise to the occasion or my parents flew to Florida to watch me bomb out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I think that like the, the longer I've been in the sport and the, the more I'm around high level guys and the more I talk about it and, and everything else, it's like that mental aspect environment and culture play a much larger role than you would think. You know, I, I, I think, <clears throat> You know, a lot of the research is coming around to say those same things too. And like in any sport, it's not even just powerlifting. Like every sport I've ever done, those have been like the deciding factors that have like really pushed me to accomplish everything that I've accomplished up until this given point. And like I try to recreate the same thing with with this sport. Like as much of an individual sport as powerlifting is, 
how you climb to that top of the mountain. You're doing it on other people's hard work and literally you're climbing their backs to get up there because they're laying that, that groundwork. And I think that environment and that culture and the people you're around are extremely important. I do have one other question I do want to ask. Sure. Let's hear it. What's the biggest lesson you've learned since you've been at Westside? My guess is what Dave Hoff just told you in the, in the, um, but man, I, there has been a lot of, um, uh, I get emotional if I'll start talking about it too much, but there's been a lot of like personal growth for me that I don't really super feel super comfortable getting into, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but there's been like a lot of like personal growth with like how I deal with people and, and circumstances because there's a pecking order there. Um, and sometimes the lines can get gray and uh and blurry so i've really learned how to like deal with with that sort of thing but as far as like mindset with lifting i think like the biggest thing um that i've learned is that like just because you can doesn't mean you should so it's kind of funny based on what we were talking earlier in the podcast where it's like sometimes you just gotta fucking put your dick out there and do it you know but uh there's certain times where it's like just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know, like um, we were deloading our bench, you know, something like that. We're like, you know, benching into foam, whatever, a couple doubles. And, and, and it's like, yeah, I could probably do 10 sets with this. But if I'm deloading, what's the point in doing 10 sets? Just because I can doesn't mean I fucking should. And I definitely can. But how is that going to affect my training next week? You know what I'm saying? And I think that I learned that the hard way. Um, so that, did you see the video I posted yesterday with the, the bands where I fucking, you know, yelled at that dude after and all that. Yeah. Shit? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was a funny fucking story, but uh, <laughs> it, it's very similar. Danny Tinajero in the, in the comments, he was talking about something else that happened and we texted about it later, but basically he came in to visit very strong 220, 242 guy, been at it for a long time, fucking, you know, 800 pound bench and all that, or 790 bench and all this. And he came in and I had a little chip on my shoulder. I didn't really know him. And he came to visit and I was like, I'm going to fuck this motherfucker up. Like today, he's going to learn today. Like, you know, and uh, of course he has nothing to prove to me. He's way higher than me in the rankings and everything at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like he yeah. doesn't give a fuck about me, but I'm like, I'm going to make this dude upset today. And uh, we were doing speed work, cambered bar, blue bands over the plates. So it's a lot of band tension. And my normal working sets was usually like four plates. I went to five plates, did a set of five with it, just to prove a point. And they, it was not crazy hard, but it, it was hard for me. It was a lot of band tension. And because of that, my fucking shoulders and my elbows never fucking recovered. I was beat to fucking shit. The whole rest of the training cycle, probably another five or six weeks. And I went into the meet, got my fucking bench opener, barely, and then ate shit with my next two benches. <laughs> and and the, the lesson there was like, yeah, man, I mean, it's fun to, you know, beat somebody in the gym. But like, what's it fucking matter other than like a funny Instagram video I can post a year later? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and the same thing with that one that I posted yesterday was like, it wasn't even, dude, I wasn't even doing Circumax. Like that dude was just doing Circumax and I jumped in the week before my Circumax to do it in just briefs to beat him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, and I went on to, 
to bomb out of that meet in squat <laughs> of all things um, because I was so fucking destroyed from doing from that. That kind of like set me up on my like downward spiral. Um, so I think the big, the big lesson is just cause you can, doesn't mean you should like, we've kind of gotten past the point where it's like, you know, we do save pecs around here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Training's the accumulation of day one plus day two plus day three. It's not, right. you know, and I think lifters too often get so hell bent over the absolute weight on the bar on a given day. And it's just like, I have, uh, and like, I'd rather them be this way than have to like try to push them. But I have like a half a dozen of them. I tell them all the time. I'm like, you guys can't be living that RPE 10 lifestyle every day. You no, got to fucking chill out. Jesus like, yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like, I mean, we're talking like, these aren't just like, I had this one kid, I think his, his best squats, like 380 or something, a newer lifter. But this kid is like, he's fucking tough. He put 365 on that bar for a set of five. Rep two looked like a fucking 10. This set took almost a minute to complete and he got a fucking set of five and each rep on the way up was just like shakes and it was taking like six to eight seconds to come up. But he just kept coming up and kept coming up. I'm like, dude, you're fucking nuts. You got to calm down. Like it was a badass fucking set. But it's like that, that kid will just like keep doing that every day in the gym. It's like, dude, just wait till you squat on 500 pounds, 600 pounds. Like you're gonna fucking die. Well, it's like after that, it's like, all right, now go home and take a fucking nap, dude. <laughs> like you need to, you know, that's funny because there's a, one of my training partners, Alex Kovach, he's two-time world record holder. He squatted 835 at 148, 903 at 165. He's 20 years old. He turns 21 today. Oh, um, big freak of nature, dude. You look at the kid and you would not think, you look at his legs and you'd be like, there's no way this kid squats 900 pounds. But he's just not, he's young. He's not scared of shit. And he will fucking outwork you when it comes. Like he just, you could, you know, Dave could look at him and be like, load up a thousand and fucking take it. He's going to take it, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's the same sort of thing where he's a little younger, you know? And so he can, he can get away with a little more and he sure fucking does when it comes to that shit. It's like the same sort of thing, dude. Like I've seen him do sets where you watch the first rep and you're like, he's going to die. And then he does three more reps and you're like, holy shit. Like, you know, uh, maybe I could do that. <laughs> maybe maybe I couldn't. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know. I'm not really that guy who does that sort of shit, but he does, and it's like holy fucking shit, man. Like, like again, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, and and dude, like, I mean, he's reaping the benefits of it now. So keep riding that fucking tiger. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you still get because like, uh, I have that mentality where like, you know, and I'll and it gets instilled in my lifters a lot too because like. I'll put the, the pedal to the fucking metal and it's just like, I know for a period of time I can just keep fucking grinding and keep grinding and keep grinding and keep sure. grinding. But like, and I'll come up with like, you know, and this just comes from like, uh, I've well, fighting background. You're going to have, yeah. and I played college soccer and like, yeah. you don't get to those higher levels without like having like an ability to just put in work regardless of how shitty you feel and stuff. Yeah, shut and the like, brain off and run it. Yeah, and like there are times where like the older lifters are like, "Oh, you got to pull back sometimes." And in my head, I'm like, "Go fuck yourself!" Like, I, <laughs> I don't need to pull back. You need to pull back because like you can't handle <laughs> handle this shit. Like, like that's my like inner dialogue sometimes. And it's like, 
and then like there are other times where it's like I'll, I'll like chill out and be like yeah i gotta I got calm down it's all yeah it's all like sort of cyclical right like i think yeah. that, i think that that's part of uh one of the big things with um with culturally with uh with powerlifting right now would be like the hundred percent i'm a hundred percent positive that this is the only way to do this <laughs> you know what i'm saying like yeah and, and i think exactly. some, some old timers get stuck in that and and some of the younger dudes i look at these people and it's really weird i i don't know what what it is about massachusetts but it seems that Every every time there's someone who comments on one of my videos talking shit about Multiply, it's a 21 year old from UMass Amherst uh, that has his total in his uh, in kilos on his thing, and he squats 300 pounds talking shit to me. We it's, have literally the same haters from the same college. It's very weird, dude. I don't know what it is about. Like, it's always like UMass Amherst, uh, you know. Uh, 2024 you know <laughs> whatever you know what i mean it's always, i'm like i'm like i don't uh, you know dm for coaching and then i look and i'm like you have a 300 pound squat um and you are a 21 year old male i don't understand what's happening uh so <laughs> like and they're all like this is how you train this is how you do it it's like motherfucker i have forgotten more than you know i coached <laughs> i coached one of them who put me on blast on the internet Oh and like God. the UMass Amherst is the same. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's the same school. Like, because dude, like I can learn, dude, I thought, and I was that person. I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I had it figured out, dude. Yeah, like, same. you know, and, and, and I think it's sort of like, um, that's just like young person mentality. The, the issue is now everybody has a voice because of, you know, social media and stuff, which I love. I think it's great. I think that the discourse that happens online is great because if there was, dude, if there wasn't discourse online and there wasn't the disagreement of like straight bar programming, walkouts, monolift, all that stuff, um, then the West Side documentary wouldn't be as big as it was, as it is. Uh, Jess would have never watched it. She would have never messaged me about it. We would have never had these conversations, these opportunities to learn from each other. That's you see what I'm saying? So it's good that the discourse happens. Um, but there's times where I'm just like, can you little nerds shut the fuck up? And like, get, get away from my, like, stop, you, you've literally been powerlifting for one year and you're talking shit to me about <laughs> my, a training squat or whatever. You know, and um, I guess, dude, that's actually, honestly, if I can go backwards, that's probably yeah, yeah. one of the biggest lessons that I've learned at Westside is no one from Westside is commenting on other people's shit saying, fuck you, your lifts are whack. Because they're too busy getting strong. Because like, I don't fucking care, dude. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't care about anything that happens in raw lifting other than people I like, people I, I know personally, or people I coach. Like, because it's not my sport. Like, I don't pay attention to it because to me, it, it doesn't matter as much to me because it's not what I compete in. And I'm not saying it's less than me. It's the same thing. Like, nobody in your gym is going to be able to tell you where I'm ranked because they don't follow multiply lifting because they don't compete in multiply. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But it seems like the people with the biggest mouths have the smallest fucking totals. Well, and that, <laughs> that's crazy to me. 
And they, well, I think it's the USAPL is a culture of this is brought. So I have uh, some USAPL coaches that are in my circle that have been in this sport for 20 plus years. And one of them made a great point. They were like, every, the majority of coaches and lifters involved in raw lifting have been involved in this sport for less than five years. Absolutely. Right? So you get that infancy of people who just, and I was there, like, you think you know more than what you do because you read a fucking Greg Knuckles blog post or something. And like, all of a sudden <laughs> now you know how to coach powerlifting. And like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, I, I was, you know, people would be telling me things and it's like, Nope, that's not right. It's definitely this because I read some obscure study that said it was this. And like, <laughs> it's, it's easy to get like sucked into that stuff. And that's why, and like, I was aware of it and like, I'm just competitive and confident and that's just like my personality. So I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm aware of it. So that's why I always, I made sure I surrounded myself by people who've been in the sport way fucking longer than me. Like literally my circle of people that I talk to have all been in this sport for more than 15 years. Yeah, I don't, I don't talk to anybody who's like, there's, there's no coach that I reach out to that has been in this sport as long or less than me that I look for their advice. I just, you're not the people I want. I like literally want to talk to. Well, there's no way to go through the seasons without having gone through the fucking seasons. Right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's very, very weird. Uh, I got to hop off soon here, but I did want to sort of, (laughs) <laughs> just make it the second podcast I talk about this on. <laughs> Did you happen to see the Kevin Oak video about the uh, boss of bosses? I didn't see his video. Did you hear about this? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll have to send you the link. He made a big long video about how um, basically what he said was untested powerlifting is getting turned into what multiply got turned into because the judging is so bad that no one, if people are going to stop caring about it. It was very weird. It was a 10 minute video um, of him just like standing and talking in his kitchen. And I was like, this is weird, dude. Like <laughs> I would never make a video comparing anything to raw powerlifting. Cause I'm not in raw powerlifting. So the fact that you're comparing this to multiply is very strange. And then He's basically saying that the boss of bosses was very poorly run and, and everything else. And he was just like talking shit on it. And then uh, a good friend of mine who you probably know, um, I'm not going to put him on blast here, but he brought something to my attention. He was like, <laughs> when Kevin went to boss of bosses, you know, he basically said, when I went, it was good judging and now it's trash. Well, when Kevin went, he totaled 2150 in sleeves Huge total, right? Yep. Good meat. He loved it. Said it was a good meat. Now, this time, it was a bad meat because he didn't do it. Uh, Yuri Belkin totaled 2350, same weight class in knee sleeves. So do you think that that had something to do with why he was talking so much shit? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, when I go, it was good judging. When I wasn't there, it was bad (laughs) judging. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, I I can't comment on the judging because I wasn't fucking there. And neither were you. So why are you making a 10-minute video being negative? I know I'm being a little negative right now. But if I'm going to put out a 10-minute video, me talking, it's going to be trying to spread information or spread a positive outlook on shit. It's not going to be saying, fuck these people. That's crazy to me. And I think that that's like a bad part of the cut. That's like the one, if I had to say one thing bad about powerlifting right now, it's that 
people gain clout, relevance, and recognition from being fucking negative. And that sucks, dude. That's a good point. I got into this sport as a positive way for me to adjust my focus from being a total piece of shit drug addict. So this sport has been very positive for me. And so, and I've seen what it's done for other people. And I'm sure you have too, like people you coach, you watch it change their fucking life. It's changed my life. I mean, I've, yeah. I, I was lost, like trying to find my way in, you know, strength and conditioning for fucking 10 years at the point. I've been in it 15 years now total. And like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I hated almost every job I have. I fell into this. I was lucky enough that my path crossed with one of the greatest coaches to ever live. And like, I, I love my job no matter how hard I work. And I see a change, like the confidence that people gain in their regular lives because of this sport is more than I've seen out of any other sport that I've, I've participated in in my entire life. Dude, I think that it, it, it and I'm thinking of this now, like as I'm saying it, it it's crazy. Cause if you, you watch and it takes like, uh, it'll take like an insecure female and it'll turn them into a very secure person, right? All of a sudden they have confidence. They, they walk with their chest up. They're confident in what they say. They're strong. They're, they have, seem to have purpose and everything. And, and same thing for like smaller, sort of like a, a meek sort of type dude, you know, someone who might not be like an, a standard alpha type guy. It'll turn them into like this, you know, someone with like a bravado and like they, they have confidence and they're, and they're pumped about getting stronger and, and all that stuff. And then on the, on the inverse of that, it can take someone who is extremely tough and alpha as fuck and like just like a mean motherfucker. And then you watch that person at a meet wrap their niece's knees who's 10 years old. Yeah. And it turns them into a teddy bear. There's, you know what I'm saying? There's just lots of like, there's so much positivity that it drives me crazy when people use the negativity to fucking push, like to, to gain relative. It's fucking, it's whack to me and it, it upsets me because someone from the outside looking in that finds like some negative video, they're like, I don't want to be a part of this because it's just negativity with no solution. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whereas I was like, you know, hey man, make a 10 minute video saying like explaining how you can go through your judges certification so that you can make the judging better or a 10 minute video on how you can easily hit squat depth. If you do these certain hip mobility drills or all this stuff, right. Offer a solution. Yeah, yeah, dude, just negative for the sake of being negative is bullshit. And I think that that is, is what will kill certain parts of this sport. You know what I'm uh, saying? I was watching a video of, <laughs> so this kid's really strong. He's like, my biggest fucking troll too and like <laughs> of course you, sh you should get literally to punch one person in the face per year <laughs> with zero consequences this kid he'll never listen to this and i wish he would because if he would like that's literally if like we were walking down a back alley somewhere and nobody was around i'm punching him in the fucking ear <laughs> like, like I can't fucking stand him. And like some of the stuff that he said is just like pissed me off. So he did this video with a well-known PhD and in the video it's, he literally makes the comment West side conjugate is dead and you know, whatever, like we're okay. moving on to bigger, better things. Right. Yeah. And like, why is it dead? You had like, you didn't provide any fucking information. So now like the information that you see, it's these, asshats that have to put somebody else down to try to make their point sound like it's a better one. You're just doing that because you're fucking dumb. 
Yeah, like, and you're bored. If you have a, yeah, if you have a problem, right? Like, here's my question. Why do I look at the internet and everybody's just RPE7? Why is that all I ever fucking see? <laughs> this is a sport of lifting heavy, right? But I don't yeah. sit there on my post and be like, if you're lifting RPE7 all the time, you're a fucking bitch. Here's, <laughs> yeah. here's my RPE9 single. Like, I would <laughs> never put somebody else down to try to get my point across. Yeah, and there's, like, that's a, there's what a lot the of information that. Information is now. It's just like this is stupid. Follow me. <laughs> Everyone is stupid except for me. Is basically what it is. And the, the funniest part is like, a lot of the times it's like, hey man, like you know that like you have more max effort records than I do because you have close stance, wide stance, low bar, high bar, knee sleeves, knee wraps, all of those combined, uh, one rep, three rep, five rep, eight rep, 10 rep, 20 rep. Like you, like you have just as, you have just as many records and, and, and max effort records as I do, except for one thing, all of my max efforts are singles, which actually carry a, a higher level of specificity <laughs> then and they beat you up. They beat you up less. <laughs> yeah, like so. Like I, I, I can, I could get on all these posts and and be like, you know, argue with these people all day, um, but it's not going to do any good. I've had several squats get posted on Quarter Squat Gang, and like my shit get exploded with negativity to the point where I couldn't fucking. I had to shut off my notifications because I couldn't even set my alarm on my phone. Because my phone was just going ping, ping, ping. Just people, just red lights, red lights, red lights, red lights. Like one of my squats has like 50,000 views on Instagram. And it's, dude, thousands of comments, people being like, fuck you. Over a squat, it was crazy. And I used to argue with these people. And now I just basically comment back. I either block them or I'll comment back like, dude, that's an awesome opinion. <laughs> I like that. Just like, how can I get better? Tell me how I can get better. And then it usually shuts them right down. Um, but I just, dude, I just think that you have to just be negative comment incoming, but like, you just have to be a dickless nerd. If you go, go on other people's posts and say, you suck. <laughs> like, that's weird to me. You know what I mean? Like, I would never do that. I would rather go to my wife's Instagram and I'll spend my time commenting, you're fucking beautiful on everything. <laughs> then, <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's weird to me. It doesn't make any fucking sense. So that same group that I was talking about, like some of my lifters, one of my lifters, and this girl is fucking strong too, right? She's stronger than most of the dudes that are going to be commenting on her fucking post. She was doing, she had box squats and she was taking singles. Her best squats around like 370 and she had like, she had just taken like 3.30 and she's like, I smoked it. And she even said to me, she's like, I should have got spots. But she's like, I, was, I expected it to be a little bit lighter and I was going to get spots for the next one. So she's in the combo rack with the illegal bar and all that crap, right? Takes mm -hmm. 3.50, comes off the box and just gets fucking stuck, <laughs> right? So like she has to dump the bar off her back. Now the illegal bar has a lifetime warranty. So the bar gets, she didn't even realize that the bar got bent right like she did the rest of her squat workout she had back offs and stuff and benched with it and didn't even notice that it, it was bent like that's how little of a bend you got put sure. in that bar people were sharing her fucking things in their stories calling her fucking names like all over the place and like this is how you destroy a bar and like one of them was a that umass lifter that i had 
coach. And it's like, <laughs> she squats your fucking total. Like, yeah, yeah. instead of ragging on her, maybe you should try training with her because you'd get way fucking stronger. Yeah. And like, it drives, it literally pisses me off to no fucking end. And that quarter squat game, you're showing beginners in some commercial gym and you're blasting them on the internet for like wanting to learn how to do our sport. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Dude. I understand. They, they're wearing gloves and it looks fucking stupid. But, like, maybe somebody should go over and help them out. Yeah, right? yeah. Dude, Before the quarter squat, gang, blast. quarter squat gang is funny, man, because that kid, all, it's all, like, cheaters, right? Like, if you're in Multiply, you're a cheater. That was, like, his big thing, right? Like, they would – Yeah, yeah. Like, this uh, – I don't know his fucking name. I forget his name, but we found out his name, a buddy of mine, and the dude who runs it. And he got popped for whatever in the USAPL – pissed pissed hot and failed it failed the ua and uh it's like so who's a cheater now bitch <laughs> like exactly. you literally literally cheated <laughs> like don't ever come at me with with any sort of shit about a high squat motherfucker you know what i mean like that shit's just it's i hate giving them time it, like you know an energy talking about it but i think it's important for anybody who who might be listening to this who might be it might be their first year in the sport right it might be their first year in the sport and it's just like you know like to those people if you post something and some fucking clown comments on it you know they are sad on the inside about something that has nothing to do with you you know 100%. they're insecure they're they're upset about something and let me tell you something if 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 the jv coach for an, uh, you know, some high school team commented on uh, LeBron James's fucking Instagram and said, you suck. Do you think he would fucking even respond? Nope. Like King's rule, that's something Dave taught me too. Like King's rule from the fucking top, dude. Like let them argue in the comments, dude. They can all talk shit in the comments. I'm not even going to pay attention to it because I'm too busy like chilling with people who are sick and who are fun and who get stronger and want to like express themselves like through lifting and through everything else in like a positive way. I love that. <laughs> and like, you know, and at the same time they're shitting on your high squats or Dave's high squats or whoever, but Russell or he, he's an extremely strong 83 is a very good lifter is posting 700 pound squats on the inter internet. They're as high as a ninth grade dropout, but everybody's liking the fucking posts and nobody's saying anything about his squat depth, but from the front, it looks like it's about four inches fucking high and yeah. it's no different. It's like, it's just because it's something that you like and you, you know, you're, you're all over this guy because he's more like you because you're doing that sport and, yeah. and they're going to make fun of the multiply guys for doing literally the exact same thing. Yeah, dude. And like, also like, I mean, I had a, uh, there was a very interesting, um, poll that got posted by uh, one of my friends. It was the, the 242 raw with wraps. Um, and the uh, uh, world record is like nine something. The 242 multiply record is 1150, right? Um, which one do you think is harder to do, right? And he put a thing up and he was trying to get people to talk shit. Like he was trying, he was stirring the pot. Yeah, yeah. And he literally had someone comment and say that the raw one was more difficult. And you can have that opinion. That's fine. You can have that opinion. But I urge you, if you could do that, 
uh, if it's easier, right? This person is a 198 who squats eight something at 198. Well, then if it's easier, then why don't you just get into some multiply, go 198 and take the world record there if it's so easy. Yeah. If it's so fucking easy, dude, because let me tell you something. If I could walk out the world record in a USPA meet, if I could walk out the 242 world record and squat that bitch and have a raw walked out world record, I would fucking do it if it was easier for me to, to, to prove everyone fuck you. But it's a different sport and I can't do it. And that's fine with me. You know what I'm saying? Like if we're such a joke, you could come over. It's like, why is it got to be so tribal? It's fine, dude. Like, it's just a different sport. We're just doing different things. It's all, we all want to get stronger. We all want to eventually get paid making money doing this or not, or it just wants to be a fun hobby. Either way, dude, I would rather spend my energy like reading books on how I could make people stronger and make myself stronger. Yeah, and, ha- and having fun. And like, <laughs> how easy raw lifting is, is why the sport has blown up. And I'll tell you the thing that really like, so I was kicking around the idea of going equipped. And yeah, like, you said that, like single ply, right? Yeah, and like in part, I was like, you know what? Part of me wants to do it to end the ignorance amongst like my team. Nobody in here has ever seen equipped lifting. And just to give them some exposure to something different for me to learn a different perspective as a coach. And I was thinking about it, thinking about it, and talking with uh, my coach about it. And he's like, he's like, listen, so his wife is an extremely strong um, world champion, single ply lifter as well in the IPF. And he was saying like they were at a gym with somebody and she has a Titan velocity or something deadlift suit. And he's like, I'm sitting there. I've been in this sport for however long, you know, 20 years or whatever it is. And he's like, I learned something new about the suit that day. So the fact that like, there's just that like higher learning curve for the sport right then, like when he said that, I'm like, sign me up. Like if it's yeah. something that I can continually learn, like it's not to say like I enjoy raw lifting and, and not to say that I'm bored with it, but like it is what it is at the end of the day. Right. But like, it just sounds like, and I don't know, I haven't done it, but like I'm just waiting for my fucking suit to come in. But like, it sounds like there's just a much bigger learning curve to learn how to use the equipment. And once you get good at that equipment, there's next level equipment to try to, you know, kind of yeah. learn how to use. And like, to me, that sounds way fucking harder and something I, I probably will take me longer to learn than yeah. to do a raw squat. And, uh, I'm, and your deadlift's going to, your deadlift's going to go up because you won't be slow off the floor anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. That's a, that's always fun too, man. Yeah. I think that, I think that once people see it and, and dude, like just so everyone's clear, like I have no issue with raw powerlifting. I think raw powerlifting's sick. I think it's all sick. Like, you know, I, I got no issue with it. I think that there's like uh, just some cultural things that that'll get worked out in the next little bit here. Um, okay. And I think that there's a lot of um, heat coming towards, there's a lot of like misdirected anger towards multiply right now because of the documentary and the ESPN thing, WPO. Like there's a lot of misguided, like saltiness towards us. Um, and I think that it'll all get kind of worked out here in the next six to eight months that a lot of people are going to end up being, you know, eating a big plate of crow, which is, which is fine, you know, and, and I don't wish that on anybody, but, um, I dude, we can all just fucking get along. It's fine. Like, 
you know, just I'll lift my weights how I want to lift weights. You got everybody else can lift weights how they want to lift weights. And, you know, we can just, you know, continue podcasting and talking shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it's fun. We, we do this to have fun and like, I don't care how other people, and like when people comment on my posts and they're like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever, well, you don't fucking pay me. I don't care about your, what you have to say. Like, who are you? Why? This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And that's why I follow you and look at every one of your posts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Out of here, dude. Exactly. Um, All right. Hey man, I got, I got to go pull, I got to go pull something. So, uh, great. what are you doing today? What's your plan? Uh, I think I'm going to max effort my, uh, like a two inch deficit. I think I'm just going to keep running with the deficits for a while. Con- conventional or sumo? I haven't decided yet. Um, I, so I pull more conventional. Yeah. Uh, but if I do like run with my sumo a lot more and I'm doing heavy squats, my adductors take a fucking beating. Yeah. So I think adding in the conventional every, every X amount of time tends to help a little bit. I like I, conventional because it's like, especially a deficit because there's like no way to make that look technically sound. So you can kind of just like get aggressive and pull it. And just rip it. Yeah. The it's last perfect. time I did, uh, I can't remember if it was two or four inch deficits. I'd have to go back. But like my best conventional pulls 575. Mm-hmm. And I got up to a beltless single on, I think it was a four inch deficit of like 550. Like no shit. Yeah. I was able to like pull something big off of it. And I immediately after that, I switched back to... So like sumo was something I had never really trained with Shiko was just conventional. So I was just like really trying to catch that up. Sure. And I had switched back to that and I probably should have just ran a cycle conventional off the floor just to hit a PR or something. But, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite, the two inch conventional deficit is one of my favorite workouts. And I, I really liked, um, and I used to do it a lot when I do that is I would do a two inch conventional deficit against like mini bands, let's say. Those bands get heavy in a hurry if you're conventional. Pull a max effort, right? And then after I pulled the max effort, I would kick the, kick the fucking deficit out and maybe strip like a plate and a half off. And I would do like uh, three sets of five snatch grip with no deficit against the same bands. With straight legs or like weightlifting style? Uh, like, you know, obviously, well, when I say snatch grip, I don't mean, you probably can get your fucking, when I say snatch grip, I mean like, pointer fingers on the power rings i go pinkies I on the rings for my snatch yeah trip. yeah like i can't get that far yeah so i le- i would leave the bands on so let's say i pulled like let's say i pulled like the you know five plates plus double minis on a two inch deficit i kick the deficit out back it down to three plates and do snatch grip for like sets of five and um and that like really helped my fucking bottom end position because after you take the deficit out but you widen your hands out you somehow can get into better position with a snatch grip. And then also you have to pull it further and you're pulling it against the band. So like my lockout and starting position got better from it. You kept the minis on for the snatch grips. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. We do a ton of um, like snatch grip RDLs and we do a lot of uh, like snatch grip, like weightlifting style, like ass low knees forward. So <laughs> light, light up the upper back. Yeah. Fuck dude. Uh, that's sick, man. Well, good luck with your pulls. Thank you for having me on, man. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do like a, um, like a Q and a or something. That's uh, what I want to do the next time. I definitely want to like something more regular. I say every month, but that'll probably turn into a little bit longer than that. Cause I'm not the most organized person, but yeah, we'll, we'll post some like questions for people to ask and stuff. Cause I think, you know, I like the idea of calling it like worlds collide. Like, we'll, yeah, uh, dude, that's great. Cause we that's got, great. we got different, 
different perspectives <laughs> on a very similar training style. And I think a lot of people can take away a lot of different things from it. And I think it would be really good. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I mean, also, uh, you know, if we can both gain clients and make money and stuff, that helps too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 100%. Let, uh, let everybody know where they can uh, find your stuff because... Uh, so Anthony CW one three is my personal Instagram, um, for pictures of my dog and my wife. And then for training stuff, it's trigger underscore warning underscore conjugate. If you search the hashtag stay hated, uh, that's, that's where you'd find all our stuff. And we've started doing another hashtag called TWC builders. So it's TWC bench builders, deadlift builders, squat builders. If you search that hashtag, it'll be all the videos with like accessory movements or stuff that'll help with those specific lifts. So we're trying to build that up so that it's kind of categorizes, um, the different information that we put out on Instagram. It's fancy using those hashtags, man. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can follow follow me on Instagram. It's KW can follow our team, precision powerlifting systems. I don't have any fancy hashtags. Stay strong, Boston.